When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. And welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline. And I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. And last month, I was traveling around the world. I went to Easter Island. The locals call it Rapa Nui. And I was just enchanted, enthralled, amazed with that island. Most people, when they think of Easter Island, they think of the big head statues, the Moai. And it isn't that island isn't just about the statues, but the statues are certainly impressive. The history and the mystery and how they put them up and why they toppled them over. I'm going to actually be telling stories about Easter Island probably for about the next six episodes. But I'm only going to tell one story in this episode this episode is called Ah oh, Nuts because <laughs> airline travel is associated with peanuts for some reason. When people are on the plane, they always want their peanuts um, because historically we've always given out peanuts. So I actually have some stories, some funny stories about peanuts <laughs> and nuts, people acting nutty. And uh, at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell my Easter Island story because I was the nutty American <laughs> on Easter Island. I was acting a little crazy. So we'll get to that story at the end. And before we get to the nut stories, I'm going to have a little ad. I'm excited. I'm sure nobody else is excited. But I have my first advertiser and my first commercial. It's only 30 seconds and it makes me feel like a legitimate broadcaster. So we're going to get to my little ad and then we'll get on to the nutty behavior. She said she was a new hire flight attendant. It was about her second or third month flying. And she had a passenger that said, excuse me, miss. And he had this real concerned, wide-eyed look about his face and said, uh, miss, uh, my nuts are swollen. I think you should tell the captain. She goes, okay. And she said she's just a young lady. She's thinking maybe this is a medical problem that only men know about or something. And so she went up to the captain and said, Captain, there's a passenger in the back that his nuts are swollen, and he said that he wanted you to know. And the captain's going, for crying out loud, what does he want me to do about it? I, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. And they goes, well, does he seem to be in any discomfort? She goes, well, I don't think so. He seemed okay. He um, goes, well, go back there, see what you can do to make him more comfortable, and, uh, you know, ask if he needs medical assistance. And she goes, Okay. And so she goes back and goes, well, sir, are you in pain? He goes, no, no, but they're swollen. The captain should know. Is there something wrong? She goes, no, but the captain wants to know if you need medical attention. And he goes, no, no, the nuts. And he pulls out in his bag of peanuts of swollen. He thought the airplane was depressurizing. And with that, he realized what he had said. She understood what he said. And everybody turned beet red. <laughs>
Yes, a passenger who liked to cut hair. He worked for um, the IRS. And he had mentioned my haircut and how he thought it was such a good haircut. And it was kind of a page boy. And um, I went... An IRS guy, like an accountant type. Some, and he wasn't like a... He was like in management, I think. Because um, I go back up to first class, up to the, the galley, and Linnea says, well, you know that guy in uh, 1C? And I go, yeah. She goes, he wants to cut my hair. And I said, well, he was mentioning how... Because mine looked like it had just been cut. And then there was another girl named Betty. And he had been on Betty's flight many times and had begged Betty many times... <laughs> Could I just cut your hair? And he's talking about on the flight. So uh, there were a couple of girls that were in the back, and the load was very light. The next thing I look around, and I'm the only one left in first class, and all the other flight attendants have gone to the back. So I look back in the back, and they're sitting there on, they pulled the carriers out. The man is sitting on a carrier. There's another carrier between his knees with one of the flight attendants sitting on it. They have pinned with wings napkins from first class and he is cutting their hair they all look pretty good but betty he went to town on betty oh my gosh betty's hair she had to go back to her hairdresser in dallas and even then it was like months oh and all of them thought they had a pretty good haircut well then we started comparing notes with other flight attendants and it turns out there's another girl has very long, dark hair, and wears it in a ponytail. She's real exotic. She always flew this trip on the other days that we weren't, and, and she had him on. And he wanted to cut her hair. Just don't tell anybody that I do this, because it's kind of like my hobby. And um, then we find out there's another girl. She actually dated him. <laughs> and she went to his apartment, and on his walls, he's got these great big headshots, like in a beauty salon. And you know what he did on the date? He wanted to cut her hair. <laughs> oh yeah, weird thing. And then it turns out that we, we had this reserve girl that we, because now the story's getting out and everybody's talking about it. And this reserve girl, she's like, oh my gosh. She said, I had him on my flight. She goes, he's really tan, he wears like golf shirts and he drinks doors and water. And we're like, yeah. She goes, oh yeah, he'd been asking me to cut my hair. And I laid his tray down and he reached up and cut my hair while I leaned over. <laughs> And then there was another girl, and it was another reserve. He came up and cut her hair, cut her ponytail in the galley. Found out many months went by. We didn't see him for a really long time. And he was in coach. And he was listed under a different name that was sounded like his name. So it was like they had banned him from the flight. And so to get on the flight, he had changed his name. years back we had um, on international flights we had this beverage cart you can all picture how long a beverage cart is and our beverage carts today when even though two people work them each person has their own drawers on each side which makes much more sense than how it used to be which was clearly not designed by a flight attendant or anyone who was going to use the cart they were all one drawer, a big, long metal drawer that you could pull from either side, which had all the drinks in it. And there were, you know, different drawers up and down the cart. But it was difficult when you're working the cart with somebody else, because if they had their fingers in the drawer, and you pulled on it, you could catch their fingers in the drawer. So you either had to say, I'm going to pull the drawer, or visually look at them to see if you could see their hands, because if you could see both their hands, you could then feel safe in pulling the drawer. 
<laughs> like I said, not a good design. <laughs> Definitely a design flaw. But this guy was saying that, uh, oh, remember those carts we had to pull and it was so difficult. You were so worried about catching the other person. I'm like, oh, yes, I hated those carts. And he said, well, he had his, his uh, bag of peanuts on the top and he had, was moving things around on top. And, and just for a moment, he put the bag of peanuts you know, he had had the drawer pulled out, so he had set the bag of peanuts there, and he was doing something else on the top of the cart, and his flying partner, who has a very cute British accent, could see both his hands, so she felt free to pull the drawer from the other side. She starts pulling the drawer, and he's, he knows, he's like thinking, oh gosh, I've got this bag on top, so it's going to get stuck in there, so he says, hold on, hold on, I got my nuts stuck in the drawer. <laughs> she goes, oh, I beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong nuts. So you got a drunk story? Yeah, well, I was in Lexington. We we're already delayed and everything else. And uh, so I get this call from the back, and this kid is posting nude pictures of his girlfriend all around his seat. <laughs> you know, in the window... And, I mean, she was an attractive girl. He left a couple. But, <laughs> but I mean, there, and he's showing them to the old lady who's sitting next to him, you know, and stuff like that. So we had already pushed back to the gate and, and everything. And uh, so I made an announcement. Once we finally had the police come and pick him and get him off the airplane, I said, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for the delay, but we had one passenger who was not going to Atlanta with us. And, and everybody just roared in applause. It was amazing. That's it. And, like putting the pictures up? Yeah, nude pictures of his girlfriend. Like yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, you, you know, it's like somebody in a dorm room or something, you know, with Playboy pictures or something. I don't know what it was. It was weird. <laughs> so, you got a story about uh, nuts? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was working a flight once and we were had the two beverage carts meeting in the middle and the um, two flight attendants working behind me, they, we'd just gotten to the last row of people and um, she said she ran out and all she needed were two more packages. So she turned around and she said, you got two nuts? <laughs> I'll take it out. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah. <laughs> have been really lucky lately and that I've been flying some Maui trips. We have Maui layovers at the moment. And if you haven't ever been to Maui or any of the Hawaiian islands, you know, it really is a paradise. They're just the moment you get off the plane, that air hits you. And once you get out of the water and, you know, there's just so much life there, you know, the turtles and the fish and the frogs and the geckos, and there's just birds everywhere. It, it's just fantastic. And we stay at a very nice hotel, which is fun for me because I don't stay at hotels that are this nice when I'm traveling on my own. But we stay at this nice hotel in Maui. And when we arrive, when we get off the crew van, anybody that arrives at the hotel, they uh, put a shell lay on you, you know, aloha, and they give you the shell lay. And um, 
when we fly back from Maui, it's an all-nighter. And on all-nighters, you know, we tend to get a little loopy, a little silly at some point because you've been up all night. So we're about to land in L.A. and I'm in charge and I've got this very detailed liquor form I've got to fill out for how much money we've sold and, you know, how many headsets you've sold. And, you know, it's a very detailed form. And I'm flying with these two very fun guys and they said, one guy goes, you know, I have this piece of Dove chocolate. Let's put that in the envelope. Who 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 knows who opens these envelopes? And you know they probably don't get anything nice. Let's put a piece of chocolate in there. And the other guy goes, "Well, why don't we put one of these lays in there? You know, one of the shell lays, the necklace that we got." <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, there is a slot here for foreign currency." <laughs> pesos or euros if they bought a drink with pesos and there are some island nations that you know could use shells or coconuts as currency so i wrote under foreign currencies one shells <laughs> and the guys are like you're not going to turn it in like that are you cuz we don't know who it's a corporate culture i don't know who opens these envelopes you know you don't have an immediate boss and uh they're like, you're going to turn it in that way and i'm like yeah let's turn it <laughs> so whoever opens this envelope where there's just normally nothing but currency is going to have some shells in there. And I'll be curious to see if they have a sense of humor and think it's funny or even notice that it's from Maui. <laughs> or if maybe there'll be a memo that goes out to all the flight attendants system-wide. You know, they don't think we're very bright. You know, we do not accept shells as currency. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll find out and I'll let you know. We got to talking. This guy was an old DC-3 pilot. So he and I start, flight attendants were taking care of us and we're starting, we're having a few cocktails. We starts telling me this story that when old, they're flying these DC-3s through Tornado Alley, four cockpit doors and everything. They all used to carry a bucket full of nuts and bolts. They'd come through Tornado Alley and a plane would rock, and they'd take these nuts and bolts and throw them down the aisle of the aircraft. Then the co-pilot, one of them would get out of the cockpit and go, excuse me, to all the passengers, excuse me, did you see that? They'd have wrenches and screwdrivers and walk in, I need that, I need that. They'd, he's, they used to do that. He said it never failed every single time. Take nuts and bolts, throw it down the <laughs> Panic in people's faces. It was just, it was great. It was... Now, this story came to me from a pilot who didn't want to be recorded. It's amazing the number of people that really have a real aversion to microphones. But I'm going to retell it for you. He said he was going from L.A. to Mexico City, and they were told beforehand that they had a gentleman they were deporting to Mexico. So this way you have to hand them over to the authorities once you get there. You know, not a criminal or anyone, just an illegal alien that was being uh deported. And uh, the flight attendants noticed he seemed a little odd, but um, nothing too unusual. And so he said they had been flying maybe 30 minutes and it, he gets the call up in the cockpit, you know, ding dong. And they say, you know, the guy we're deporting, he's acting rather strange. He's taking $5 bills and ripping them up into little pieces and putting them in his hat on his tray table. And the pilot was thinking, okay, you know, that's 
odd, but it's not necessarily disruptive. You know, he's like, okay, keep me informed. He said, maybe 15 minutes later, they get, he gets another call. Ding dong. Um, the odd guy we're deporting is now totally naked and still ripping up $5 bills and putting it in his hat on his tray table. <laughs> They all started feeling very uncomfortable. They had to reseat the passengers away from the guy. And they made the decision to go back to L.A. to get him off the plane because he was crazy and they didn't know what else he was going to do. But I have to say, if, when he was telling me the story, I was thinking, yeah, I guess he was crazy. Crazy like a fox because he wasn't deported. We had a lady that um, the agent came and said, uh, we've got a lady with Tourette syndrome. It's a really bad case of Tourette syndrome. And she's been denied the past two planes because of this condition. And we felt so sorry for the lady. We said, oh, let her on, let her on. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with her. And so, um, so she came on board and um, she was very upset and very agitated. And her, she explained to us that she had been visiting her brother and his children who she adore. And apparently she had a couple of episodes, um, outbreaks, where she yelled some things out. And finally the brother told her she had to leave and go home. Because um, he didn't want kids. He yeah. didn't want to subject the kids to foul language and all of that. So she was very upset, and it made her more agitated. And even though she was on medication, it wasn't, it wasn't sufficient for, I guess, what she was going through. So, you know, her hanging her head low, she was very... Um, Anyway, she gets on board the airplane, and she's completely normal, and we're thinking, she's fine, you know, I, I, we don't understand why everyone else had a problem with her, and so then, of course, as soon as everybody's on board the airplane, and we take off, and we're in the air, and she started screaming, the plane's crashing, we're going to die, I see the engine, we're going to, you know, over and over, and then, well, of course, she's upsetting the people, and so I go back there to try to calm her down, and since she had explained to me that... As she becomes more agitated, um, it gets worse. I thought, well, I can try to calm her down, talk to her in a calming voice, and kind of rub on her back a little bit and comfort her. Comfort her. And so she, um, and then she would, you know, she'd calm down. She'd apologize and say, you know, I'm so sorry, and start crying. At one point, she even said, I should just kill myself, and it, that just broke my heart, you know. So I started rubbing her back, and I said, you know, you're going to be okay. You just get through this, and. And the worst is her mother had said, I wish you would, you know, when she said that. And that just, it breaks your heart. So I'm probably more affectionate, you know, with her and just rubbing her back and just telling her it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this, you know, don't, let's calm down. Let's, and so she's, you know, nodding and she kind of comes down and I'm thinking, you know, kind of, I did my good deed for yeah. the day. I'm helping her. This is what she needs. And very proud of myself and all of a sudden we're on the cart we're doing another service and um all of a sudden you start hearing crazy lady touching me get away get away crazy lady don't touch me don't touch me and there's nobody around her and so you're crazy lady i'm the crazy lady <laughs> and the other flight attendant is on the other cart and she looks at the lady she looks around her and she looks at me and she said you know she's talking about you <laughs> You're crazy lady. Stop touching me. 
I turned so red and I felt so stupid because I felt like everybody on the airplane knew it was me because I had been calming her. It's not like you could ignore her, you know. And I had been calming her down, rubbing her back. And so, yes, apparently she did not appreciate. (laughs) Okay, crazy lady, stop touching me. (laughs) So I was saying that I was a nut on Easter Island, but... I'll back up a little bit. You know, my plan was to go to Chile, fly standby to uh, Rapa Nui, Easter Island, and then travel on down um, the rest of Chile, eventually getting to Patagonia to see the glaciers and the penguins. And uh, when I got to Santiago, I didn't get on the flight to Easter Island. And I was really sad. I, I was truly disappointed because I'd been reading this book. I tried to get a fictional book about the place I'm going because it gets you excited about where you're going. And this book was called Easter Island, a novel. And it was about the early explorers to Easter Island. And it had got me just, I just wanted to go <laughs> to Rapa Nui. So, um, but I didn't get on the flight and there was, it's not a daily flight. So there wasn't a flight the next day. So I thought, okay, go with your plan B and start heading down, you know, to see the rest of Chile. And I just was having trouble getting excited about that plan B. So when I I got a couple hours south of Santiago in this town called Talca, and I was going to go see the wine country. And uh, in that town, I saw a land Chile office. And I went in and I was like, you know, can you look and see if there's any days coming up that you think I'd get on the flight to Easter Island? And she looked and she said, you know, I think you might get on the flight on Saturday. So I packed up my stuff and I I got on a train back to Santiago and I thought, I'm going to give it another shot. (laughs) So I got on the plane. I was so excited. And within minutes of getting off the plane, I felt something. I know this is going to sound strange and nutty, but the island is, is sort of magnetic. And, and people say that it's, there, it has these strange qualities, kind of like <laughs> the lost TV show island. There's um, the, the volcanic rock there. They have magnetic qualities. If you put a compass on the rock, it goes wacky. It doesn't point north. And I, I feel like, and granted, that could be nutty, that the magnetic qualities it has, it affects you because I felt so good on that island. I mean, in the minutes of getting off that plane, I was like, oh, I, I could stay here for a while, <laughs> which I did. I was going to stay two days. I ended up staying nine, partially because I was flying standby and I couldn't get off the island either. I ended up having to buy a full fare ticket because <laughs> they were like, you might get home by December. <laughs> and I had to work. Anyway, the island was just magical. It the the Moai, the big head statues that you've seen pictures of, were built to honor the dead, important people, and they were also meant to protect the local people. They would put them um, on the ocean front, facing in, and they were meant to protect them. And you know, what's so strange is looking at them. I'm getting goosebumps now just talking about it. Though those statues, the Moai, they brought about emotions in me, which they were built for. They made me feel safe. I can't explain it. It, it's, it was just magical. I know I'm sounding like a nut. So let's go ahead and get to the nutty part of the story. So my second day there, I signed up for a full day tour on a bus to go see the statues, the Moai. And my plan was to, I had this plan. You know, everybody asked me for pictures of me and I've still wanted to be anonymous for the podcast because I don't want to get in trouble at work. So I came up with this idea that I would start collecting vintage stewardess outfits and then take pictures of myself with maybe a like a little bandito mask. But actually this outfit, I 
had done a 70s stewardess outfit, so I had the big white sunglasses. So I figured that was anonymous enough with a hat and glasses. You know, it's anonymous enough. You can see me, but unless you know me, you probably wouldn't recognize me from a crowd. So I had brought, <laughs> and I spent a lot of time bringing this whole stewardess outfit with gloves and pantyhose and pumps. And I was thinking, how in the world am I gonna, you know, I can't show up for the tour with strangers in this outfit. I'll just look completely nutty, crazy. So I talked to people on my first day and they said, well, there's a bathroom, one part on the full day tour at the quarry, which is where they actually carved the statues, the Moai. And uh, so <laughs> I brought a bag with me and put it in the overhead on the bus. And when we got to the quarry and we got to the bathroom, I ran in there and I changed into this whole silly stewardess costume. <laughs> And when I came out of that bathroom, they were mainly Chilean tourists who spoke nothing but Spanish. There were about six people out of 50 on the bus that spoke English. When I came out wearing this this full-on 70s stewardess outfit, they looked at me like I was the craziest, nutty American they had ever seen. <laughs> but you know what's so great about people is that when you're making a fool of yourself, people enjoy it. It's kind of like Halloween. So uh, they thought it was so funny. They all ended up taking pictures of me and laughing. I think it was a highlight of their day. <laughs> the Nutty American. So I actually have a picture. I'm going to put up a picture of me in my stewardess costume on my website. It's I know most of you probably never go there, but it's at www.bettyinthesky.com. I'm going to continue, I hope, taking these funny pictures of the, pl where, the places that I go. So I'll be a nut all over the world. <laughs> well, that's about it for this nutty episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Irana, which is Rapa Nui for goodbye. Thanks. Bye. You love podcasts, the stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast. Now, with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E. -E.